Welcome to Skip the Queue, a podcast for people working in or working with visitor attractions. I'm your host, Kelly Molson. Each episode, I speak with industry experts from the attractions world. In today's episode, I speak with Wes Smart, Managing Director of Harbour Park, the children's beach adventure. We discuss operating within the current restrictions, the importance of communicating with their team and their big plans for the future. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify and all the usual channels by searching Skip the Queue. Wes, it's really great to have you on the podcast today. So thank you so much for being on. Pleasure. I always like to start the interview with a few icebreaker questions and you don't get to prepare anything for these questions. But it's just to get to know the real you because we haven't actually spoken before, have we? This is the first interaction that we've had. So do you prefer cats or dogs? Dogs. Any reasoning behind that? I mean, it is the correct answer, obviously. <laughs> um, grew, up, grew, up, grew up more around dogs. I don't have one currently, so it was more growing up and more familiarity, I guess. There's no, I'm, not, I'm not against cats. I'm not against cats, Wes, but they're just not that pleasant all the time, are they? Not really. I'm going to alienate a huge part of my audience. Here. You will, and, and, and I'm going to help you by saying I look at it as a cat as a squatter. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably right there. Um, if you don't have a dog, I have two, and I'm always willing to get rid of at least one of mine at any, at any one time. <laughs> I would have to check with you. <laughs> Um, okay, so what would be top of your bucket list? What's top of the list for you? Um, my wife does know how to dive and I've not got an open water or anything like that. So some experience inside of diving might be something I put out there as on the bucket list. Oh, yeah. Have you ever given it? Have you done snorkeling before? So yeah, like, that, that snorkeling, first step. Snorkeling, I've, even, I've even used an air tank in the swimming pool and things like that. But I've not got open water and I've never been on a reef dive and and. So, yeah, you know, I would like to, maybe I'd like to do that as a, before I kick the bucket. Where, where would you choose to go and do that? Belize. Oh, yeah, very nice. I've not been there. My wife's done the barrier reef, so I'd rather go somewhere where she's not been before and, and do and learn, learn out there. And I've been to Belize and it's fantastic, but I never went diving there. I know it's meant to be excellent. Good answer. Okay, this is the last icebreaker question and it's, I think it's the toughest one. So I want you to tell me something that you believe to be true, but hardly anyone else agrees with you on. So it's your, basically your unpopular opinion. Um, eggs belong in burgers. Eggs belong in burgers. Hmm. Runny yolk belongs in a burger. Do you know what? I don't think that I've ever had an egg in a burger. I'm trying to think. I mean, I, I, I'm totally with you on a runny egg in a bacon sarnie. Delicious. So add, add a burger into the bacon sarnie and you've got a bacon egg cheeseburger. With cheese as well, though. With cheese, yeah. Go big or go home. Well, I mean, that, that's, my, that's my life motto, Wes. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, that's a great start to the podcast, Wes. Thank you for answering my ridiculous questions. Um, I'd love to know a little bit about your your background and um, like, have you always been involved in in the attractions world, or is this something that's quite new? No, I'm fourth generation entertainment. The, wow. the big man behind me is my great grandfather. Oh wow! I mean, he's fabulous. Look at that! Billy, Look at that Billy, photo. He's Billy Smart. He was a circus uh, impresario in the UK. Oh, wow. Um, uh, Billy Smart Circus toured in the, uh, the, after the Second World War, mainly the 50s, 60s kind of times and all that. So that's the family history, you know, it was circus and entertainment. So amusement parks and you know, fairground equipment. And uh, it's not such a far, far flung um, attitude. So historically, my family's been in entertainment. 
I have done other things. So, you know, I, I went off and I was a, uh, I'm a veteran. So I was in the military for a while and then I've come back into the business. So yes, summers from university were spent as a, as an attraction attendant and uh, <laughs> ice cream puller and a, a program seller when circus was still out and about as a tea, as a young teen, popcorn making. Yeah. So I've done, I've done the whole kit and caboodle at the, uh, at the entry level and everything like that. And then I, I went off and I, yeah, I did other things with the military and then I came back in and started back in as the um, rides manager and then promoted up through to operations. And now I'm managing director. So. I love that you have worked at every level of that you know, of the business that must give you such an insight into what it's like for your, you know, your team, the visitors. It's really helpful um, trying to deliver a consistent experience for the guest um, through training, you know, managing training regimes and, um, and sort of that coaching technique that you use with sort of younger managers who are coming through and you see them, so you, you are able to see the mistakes before they come and go and talk it through so they can see it coming. I think that experience helps. Um, I like hearing about the guys who used to run Disney back in the day who you know, started on Main Street and you know, you've got a lot of American parks, you know, there's a huge amount, huge amount of parks out there who you speak to who, whose people have come up through and, and know the intricacies. And even Universal's guy walks through the park every Saturday and all, you know, make, make notes and everything like that because he did the experience. It's not essential, don't get me wrong, it's not essential, but there's certainly a value to having been at the entry level and then at the mid management level with dealing with your staff and having sympathies for some of the pressures that, that come and the, and the amount of left field stuff where, yeah, that's just how it goes. Yeah. I love that. It's, um, it's interesting. We have got um, one of the guests on the podcast for this season is Lee Cockerell, who was the ex VP of operations at Disney world. And he does talk front and center all the time. So being available to his team. So making sure that he was, visible and I think that's it's very similar he didn't work all the way up like you like you have but still that visibility and making sure that he understood everything that was going on at the park at any one time is ultimately what's important about you know building trust and making people know that you are someone that they can come to for for leadership and support Hmm. I don't I think size of operation you know the size of park that I run allows me to have a bit more granular knowledge of, of roles but it's not essential in a larger organization and that and you, you can't know everybody's, everybody's job. And that's then about, you know, building teams and building trust and, and, and delivering uh, expectations. And we used to talk about, we, we talk about end states. And um, so, so that people, this is where I want to be. The route is your choice, but this is where I want to be. So that actually it allows for creativity inside of the train tracks and, and for a bit of freedom and ownership of tasks and, that's the kind of stuff we talk about now is like, yeah, okay, I want to be there. And in this time now, that's proving to be far more successful in saying, this is where I want to be. Let's come up with ideas. I don't mind being about a sounding board. I don't mind coming up with how I would do it, but change it. Yeah. Take it, own it. You know, I love we say, that. plan your work and then work the plan. So plan your work, work the plan, plan. Your work, then work the plan. That is great. I love that. Okay. That's a good quote for you. That'll be, that'll be all across our social media. Wes. <laughs> um, Tell us a little bit about the park and what the attraction's like, because you've got, you know, outdoor activities and indoor activities. So you've got some, you've got some quite big challenges at the moment, I guess, with what's happening. But, but tell us a little bit about the park and, and, and what's there. Okay, but so by amusement park standards, we're very small, relatively, you know, we're, we're probably about 16 to 20 attractions, depending on what you count as an attraction or a ride, mainly mechanical um, 
or electromechanical rides. We focus on an age group of two to 12 year olds, uh, particularly, and anyone with responsibility for a two to 12 year old. We are um, a seaside location, so we're highly seasonal. We have an indoor element as well as, well as an outdoor element. Uh, we face both a river and the sea, so we only can attract from a 180 degree um, you know, catchment area. Uh, so yeah, there's some yeah some real challenge real challenges. The indoor elements at the moment are soft play, which I'm sure we'll come to later. Yeah. Um, the arcades, so the yeah, arcades are arcades, coin operated, uh, and there's some interesting developments in that that sphere about where things might go in the future. And then rides and and food and beverage. Um, yeah, so our, our top selling food and beverage item is fish and chips, unsurprisingly. Um, <laughs> nice. Ice cream, ice cream is our top selling snack item. <laughs> um, it's <laughs> yeah, some of it's that's that's how it works. It's um, it's a t- it's a tight team, but the challenges of seasonality are uh, are something that we have to we have to manage, and that's going to be very acute given the current situation. Yeah, absolutely. We will come to that actually later on in the podcast. But how has lockdown been for you? I mean, it's a difficult question. (laughs) It's a difficult question to ask because it's been so challenging for so many people. But I guess I kind of want to find out, you know, what it was like for you when you when you heard the news that everything was going to have to close. And then what kind of things have you done while you've been closed to engage with the audience that you already that you already have? I'm sure you've got loyal people that come back time and Mm -hmm. time again. So the close down, we could see the effects happening already. Um, literally across a two-week period, what we would expect sort of dropped off a cliff. So we all, we kind of already were looking commercially at, at what do we do. And um, we started to get soundings from our trade association, Balpa, that, that things, the announcements were coming. So we had, to, we had to make a decision to start to prepare for that in, in quite a serious way. So when the announcement on the Friday was made, we closed to the public immediately. And, but we then had to go through a process that never done at the park before, which was to winterize ourselves with all right. We had, we pushed our inspection regime for the rides so that we were all inspected, built and ready to go with the rides. We then had to go through what we called mothballing and we hadn't done it before. We pulled out the manuals for rides. We, we got all the arcade um, equipment empty because we then worried about vandalism. We worried about break-ins. We right. worried about insurance. We, we worried about water. We were all we went through a whole list and 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 then had to record the list because we knew we would want to turn it back on and didn't want to forget anything. So yeah, the organisation and making that happen over a two-day period was um, was a challenge, but with a mind to uh, to recovery even at that early stage. It was you know the ability to say. We're going to turn all this back on to make checklists because I'm acutely aware there's no point in, in relying on one person. You had to make the list so that, and then publish those lists to everyone so that people could move back in. What if I wasn't there? What if I'm sat in ICU? Yeah. What if, uh, you know, what if, what if, what if the management, a lot of the management team are, you know, it was reliant on a lot of people. And that was made quite aware to our staff in a central briefing that, you know, at that time there was significant fear about it. But the fact was, we, we said very clearly that we were aiming to survive. And we set a date. We set a date for survival at that time to being Easter 2021. Right back in March 2020, that's we said that is the timescale we are setting over survival wow. right at the outset. Um, you know, we, no one at that time knew how long it was going to last. No one at that time knew whether, and we still don't, whether you're going to end up with second waves, even third waves. Historic data would suggest we might. 
And those are the kind of things that we had to do to react to lockdown. Um, everyone reacted really well. Furlough was an experience. Um, yeah, that was, uh, that was hard. This, the staff were very good about it. We did um, communications you asked about. And um, the main audience we focused on was our staff, if I'm honest. Okay. We, our, our external communications was very much, we're closed. Yeah. And as per government instructions, we're staying closed. We do have an annual pass scheme. So there was a lot, of, you know, there was some discussion before we closed up shop about what we're going to do for those. And that during, I was on furlough for them for three weeks and then we brought, brought myself back and everything like that. So it was, it was only the, it was literally only the finances who were, who were running the, cash, uh, the payroll who we kept on for the first three weeks. After that, we brought myself and a couple back. Um, that, Low level knowledge, you know, was, was good because I was able to do a lot of the checks for insurance and that myself yeah. after that. So it was, you know, there was a, there was a lot more hands on in the early part. Um, and then later on, yeah, you know, we started to drop in people coming back slowly each out outlets that faced out that we could use as takeaway and convert those quickly. We did that. Oh, that's great. So you were, you were able to adapt quite quickly then and, 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 and open elements of what you were doing. Yeah, certainly the, certainly the catering side of things, we adapted things to be takeaway reasonably quickly when we were allowed to. Um, we had to go through the whole uh, you know, COVID secure risk assessment. That was uh, that was quite the uh, quite the effort, um, but as it was for everyone. You know, everyone took different approaches. There's a lot of conflicting opinions. There were only so many Zoom calls that I would would eventually go on. I had to limit and and focus on the ones that I found most helpful. Mm-hmm. And actually, it came to making decisions. At some point, you've got to stop the talking and you've actually got to make a decision and then evaluate that decision when it hits the, uh, hits the ground and the public get to have their, have their opinion upon it. So, uh, yeah, uh, it was what we call an OODA loop. <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> it, it, that stands for something, but it's, um, it stands for uh, OODA, Observe, Orientate, Decide, Act. And um, the tighter you can make that loop, faster you will affect the situation. They used to teach you fighter pilots um, about, you know, the faster, the faster you do that, if, you are, if your circle is smaller than the other person's, you're now affecting them. And that's the, so you take that decision cycle in this, in this, and sometimes an 80% plan now is better than a 100% plan too late. Yeah, so absolutely. That was, the, that was kind of the attitude we took. Um, we started with gloves and napkins and, and that was and the public liked it two weeks later the public didn't like it so we had to remove those and went to the I and mean, we were sanitizing over the top of gloves now we're sanitizing hands that are bare with food handling you know it's learning and reacting all the time it's very difficult isn't it that the and we we've, we've had it in our own sector which is very very different in digital people's needs and requirements are changing so rapidly that um you can't kind of you've got to evaluate constantly. So like you say, you know, what a solution that worked a couple of weeks ago now isn't right for your audience. So now you have to change and adapt. And actually that in itself is, is quite exhausting, but um, it's testament to the speed and the ability of the team that you have there to be able to, to, to continuously do that so quickly and evaluate. Now you're open. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about the kind of activities that you have on site. You've got outdoor activities and indoor activities so what kind of restrictions are in place at the moment the the indoor is soft play so unfortunately that stays closed for the foreseeable what other challenges do you have in terms of the restrictions at the moment 
to be honest with you, with the fine weather, we've been managing on a capacity level that that, that has worked for us. Um, the number one thing that affects us still, as has been for before before COVID and will be after COVID, will be the weather. It is <laughs> yes. the number one thing that affects us. Um, while we've been dry every day, the management and the techniques has been probably 95% of what we planned has worked. You know, so there's been the one time that we did have rain and people from the park tried to come into the buildings. That was a challenge because mm-hmm. the building, we, we rated the building for a certain occupancy level as well as the outdoor area. And so while the weather is dry, that's, that's easily managed um, than what we found. Uh, the problem comes when people want to come inside all at once. And that's usually in a rain shower. Right. So we put our umbrellas up even even on rainy days that we have for the seating. We try to not put the seating underneath so that you can fit more. So just to try to prevent that, that uh, a, a run for cover if we get a rain shower. Um, that's probably been the number one big challenge. Um, we've got different systems we've tried for it. And um, like you say, we're learning uh, a lot with those. But we haven't reached capacity in the building even when we had the one rain shower. But it certainly taught us a lot about how we thought it would work. And how it actually works and like you say that's the evaluation that has to has to happen yeah i I know other parks have got similar problems where um they've got they let their whole park has worked out for a capacity and they let the people in but everyone wants to go to one land everyone wants to go to the one ip linked land first so they're having to manage although their park is at perfect capacity no problems at all the problem is that people want to go to one place at one time and that's that's a, that's a different challenge I know that other parks have had as well. So do, is that something that you're, you don't struggle with that? So people don't tend to congregate in one, to, not unless, they don't go towards one ride specifically initially? No, no not, unless, not unless we, uh, the only challenge we get with that is, is weather related. But now that we know, we, you can predict that with a certain degree, 24 hours out, you know what you, you, you're looking for. You can prep your team in the morning. You know, we now keep to one side sort of the, the, the shower reaction kit <laughs> it consists of a few fences and some signage but you know it's still that kind of a, trying to uh, trying to manage flow yeah I do you know I hadn't even considered I mean obviously I know that you you have mixed spaces indoor and outdoor and I hadn't even considered the challenges of of you know the weather being the one the biggest challenge because I guess in a normal circumstance people would go oh well it's raining oh well let's go to soft play then we'll get everybody inside and and yeah that's the challenge and I guess would your soft play areas usually be open in the winter months as well so you would yes. you would get maybe more visitors into those areas than the outdoors at that point yes and that's you know the, the planning element has moved on from yeah. opening now to winter um soft play was the cool birds for we close down the rides we do our maintenance inspections across the winter uh we do all our, our refurbs and everything like that so that that's planned and continued. The, the only disruption disruptors we'll see there uh, would be local lockdowns, second spikes, however you want to phrase it. That, you know, but that's the kind of thing that we would look at for that. Inside, yeah, at the moment, we are without the attraction that is the cool bird and the driver for uh, children's parties. And so winter is a challenge. We've got a few ideas and we've been muting through those um, you know, in, the last, in the last week or two. And yeah, we'll adapt. It's as simple as that. Adapt is the word of the year, isn't it? Without a doubt. I mean, that brings me to one of the questions, actually, about the COVID situation. And I guess that we've spoken to some people that have kind of said, oh, well, we've been thinking about doing this thing for a couple of years. And actually, the situation has meant we've had to kind of force it upon us. We've had to think more quickly and more rapidly and actually, you know, bring Mm -hmm. that solution forward. 
are you in that position where you've been thinking about some stuff for a while and now actually they're, you know, they're at the top of the list. They're things that you have to do because of the, the changing restrictions and what you can and can't, you know, open with. Yes, we did. But those decisions have already been made. It, uh, for example, menu size in the two sit-down restaurant catering outlets, I slashed the menu down to, I think, five or six items. We had, we had more than a lot more than that. And it was just a decision. We've always been trying to trim the menu down each time we, we got the concept and that, but this just made us, it was an early decision. Like I said, the OODA loop was simple. Yeah, we wanted to do this for ages. This is the time to make it happen. It made sense for not needing to recruit anymore. It made ease of training. If you had, to, had, a, had a cook or a chef go down, it was the training was simple. If you reduced the menu, stock ordering became simpler as long as you could, you know, the amount of suppliers that, that you could, the range of suppliers you could go to for that short menu. So we made that decision in April before we were allowed to open. It was, you know, that was simple. And then that, that decision led on to, right, what do we need to do? We need to change the digital menus. We're not going to pay for signage and that. Let's download PicMonkey and let's see what we can do. And yeah, okay, great. We can print A3. Brilliant. Let's laminate it. Let's, uh, and let's stick that up instead. Okay. That looks a bit shoddy. Let's redo that on a chalkboard format. Um, still printed, but um, oh yeah, that looks much better. Bang, up it goes. And, but the decision being made early gave breathing space to make what the solution was look less temporary. Yeah. Um, and, and, gave, and gives your customer confidence with that professionalism that you would expect from coming to an establishment. And, and that I felt was important because customer confidence was something that you couldn't control. All you could do was get your elements to look like you had thought about this properly as they would expect and convey that through the, your presentation. I mean, that's what we, that's what we do, you know, is, you know, you have to present things in a way that give people, gives people confidence. Um, and that was, that was one of the big battles, but that all stemmed from making decisions early. And the menu is the easiest one I can use as an example of saying, yeah, we're, we're, we're slashing it. Yeah. You know, we're going to Gordon Ramsay it. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just, yeah, come in and throw the toys out the pram and just go, yeah, your menu's too big. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've watched enough Nightmare Chef in, you know, back in the day to know that, you know, that, yeah, a slimmer menu is a more efficient menu. Okay. <laughs> We've ramsed the menu. I love this. So <laughs> and what about future plans? So you mentioned there's a few things that you're thinking of in terms of the winter months now. Is there anything that, you, you, that you're happy to share with us about things that you're thinking about that? Because I can see what a big challenge that's going to be in terms of, you know, you said it's a big driver for birthday parties. So essentially, you know, that's something that you could, you could lose for the rest of the year. What kind, what kind of things are you thinking of in terms of new new developments? The starting point was what in winter are we going to, going to open? So the, we, we usually run what I call the, the main building. That'll, that's, that'll stay open. The arcade inside there has been, so, has been socially distanced and, and we've done that already and that's working. So that will stay. So we have, a, we have an element of things that we can keep open. The soft play takes up a big space and at the moment there's no clue as to when that might open. So it's about using the seating space and converting that, you know, we soft plays roped off. It's, it's closed. We've cabled tied everything shut. It's, it's done. But as we come into winter, we need to look at the birthday party room. Can we repurpose it in some way? Is there a form of arcade attraction that we can put in there? Is there something that we can use that, you know, we would, we'll be very interested as the guidance towards schools starts to come out and seeing how schools are going to operate. Cause if they're operating in class bubbles, that will give us a much uh, closer clue as to what is permissible and what is acceptable sure. to our audience as well. And legislatively as well. But I care more about the audience, to be honest with you. Legislation, we just have to comply with. It's, it's, it is, it's black and white, mm. you know, 
and the gray areas around it you make you make decisions and you adjust it's um so yeah those are, there's no specifics at the moment because i've got i've got things going out to different people and there might be five ideas out there and one may only be the one that is um economically feasible uh, even but we're going through that now so that we can aim that come september we've got a decision and we can try to implement in september ready for ready for the october december, december january february you know it's a it's a five month ha- month haul to get around yeah yeah it's a long period isn't it it's great that you've got ideas about how you can use your space and what i've really liked is that throughout this interview you've been you've been kind of really pushing that message that it is about your audience you know it's really about like we've, i've heard this phrase quite a lot like sanitize the venue but not the experience yeah okay there's these restrictions in place and there's there's the sanitization in place but it's not about it's not kind of diluting that experience they're getting and it's been really nice to hear you kind of say that all the way through um we're coming to the 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 end of the podcast and what I'd I'd really like to know there's a couple of questions that I'd still like to ask but I'd really like to end on a positive so do you think there's anything and this and actually this is not just for you for, for the part but maybe for yourself as well is there anything that has been kind of a positive aspect of lockdown for you um yes okay there's a few different ones I'll, I'll pick up on for the business i would say our team's reaction to coming back although nervous was excellent oh. and i take a bit of a pride in the fact that our people have come back and risen to challenges in the correct way where they felt that there was holes and you, you can't cover everything and that. So when they go, they brought concerns up in the right way, we've adapted, we've used them and consulted with them about what would, and they, their attitude hasn't been just not doing it. It's what if we do it this way? What if we try to, do it? and that's been really pleasing to see that buy-in. But I think that came from us focusing on staff as our communications lead early on. And, and yet yeah, the guests, the, the guests got told were closed. You know, we made a decision on annual passes and fed that out once we knew we'd be given a reopening date. So we stayed quiet to our guests. We weren't a zoo. We didn't put out um, educational packs and all that. All very good. If I ran a zoo, I'd 100% do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, we focused on our staff. And I think that gave us our, our coming reopening with our staff. I, I take pride in what, how they reacted to it all. That's lovely. And that's been pleasing to see. Um, personally, yeah, seeing my wife homeschool um and how she threw herself into that was excellent um i was lucky i was able to help for the the short time that i was at home um and that but um that was pleasing to see not that it was easy by any stretch of the imagination but but no and and the way the kid and the way my my kids reacted to that was really interesting so yeah we learned a lot more of us as a family unit so there was a lot of learning about about each other done there which ordinarily you wouldn't get particularly in summer for myself where it's our busiest time yeah yeah you wouldn't have been around no and that that was from a personal point of view that was really really good to see so yeah there's yeah there's a lot of a lot of growth (laughs) in knowledge let's say (laughs) not a lot lot of growth in the business (laughs) (laughs) well that's to come though that that's to come though Wes um we love to end the podcast by asking if you have a book that you could recommend. So um, maybe something that has helped to shape your career or just a book that you've just, re- you've, you've just taken a lot from. Um, and we offer that book as a prize for our listeners. 
okay, Winnie the Pooh by AML. It's a great book. It's fantastic. Why have you chosen that book? It's a beautiful book. Winnie the Pooh is my childhood hero, one. But as an adult, when you reread it, it's, it's written, it's hard to read, actually, when you, when you go back to it. It's written from the aspect of a child. Obviously, I'm in Sussex. It was written by Amy in Sussex, so there's a, there's a local link as well. But um, as a veteran, it says things about depression that are, that are fantastic. Not that I, I don't suffer from PTSD and that, but I have many friends and colleagues or ex-colleagues who, who do and that. And what it says simply about that from the attitude of a child is fantastic in, in simple terms. It reminds you of what's important. It's, it takes you back. Our audience are children, if you want to look at it from a business point of view, and the wonderment in simple things and you don't have to and that's why I always like I've always said about digital uh, how important it is to certain aspects but we're an analog park and as digital becomes the main of what people do day to day analog's going to be more important mm. for experience and it, it's not a surprise to me that adventure activities are growing it does not surprise to me that the experience economy is a growth area that you know, that bars are turning into the kind of, you know, the prison themes and, and, you know, these kind of things. Because the more digital you have, the more experience and analogue and shared experience particularly becomes important. And for a child, a walk in the woods is an experience. It's something that's different. And Winnie the Pooh brings you back. It grounds you. It, it, it makes decision-making take pressure off. It's a, it's a relief. So yeah, I'm not going to say a self-help book or a, an inspiring <laughs> biography from someone. And, you know, I've got inspiring people in front of me. You know, some of them are 16, 17, 18 years old and they're in their first job. I don't need that. I can see that where they where they work hard and they're learning something. about it. It's, you know, so I, I need something to make the thought process simpler and the decision-making less grand in my own head you know and Winnie the Pooh does that for me oh Wes what a lovely lovely end to our podcast interview and what a wonderful book to recommend if you if you'd like to win a copy of this book then head over to our Twitter account which is skip the queue and if you retweet this episode announcement with the comment I want Wes's book and then you will be in with a chance of winning it Wes, thank you. It has been an absolute delight to speak to you today. I wish you all of the very best with the upcoming months that you've got ahead of you. But thank you. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Skip the Queue. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five star review. It really helps others find us. And remember to follow us on Twitter for your chance to win the books that have been mentioned. Skip the Queue is brought to you by Rubber Cheese a digital agency that builds remarkable systems and websites for attractions that helps them increase their visitor numbers. You can find show notes and transcriptions from this episode and more over on our website, rubbercheese.com forward slash podcast.